to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. If I'm wavering in my faith, you know why I'm wavering? It's because I'm not fully convinced that the one who has promised is able to perform. The moment I become fully convinced that he who made the promise is able to perform it, my wavering is over. I don't have to waver. And not only do I not have to waver, but I don't have to strive either. I don't have to do anything. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapter 16 in a message titled, Trying to Help God. Now here's Pastor Brian. Ishmael is going to be, in the end, a thorn in the side of Isaac, the the son that will be given. And because of that jealousy and animosity and all that, Ishmael's ultimately going to be cast out. And of course, this will be painful for Abram, who, who loves him as his child. But again, we see something that should have never developed had they just been patient, waited, stuck with the plan of God. None of this would have occurred. And then these far extending complications and difficulties would have been avoided, but they, they will become part of the, the life and experience of Abram. We can, if we're not patient and if we're not careful, we can create our own Ishmaels, so to speak. We can create these kinds of things that, that really become a, a grievous thing to us, a, a thing that complicates everything the Lord wants to do. But you see, sometimes we get in a position where instead of you know, seeking the Lord, we, we start trying to figure it out ourselves. And then we start trying to sort of you know, come up with a plan or come up with a strategy. And, and you can do this on a variety of levels. You can do it on a personal level. I have known of people over the years who say, uh, you know, had a deep desire to be married. A guy or a gal, just, you know, deep desire to be married, praying about being married, wanting desperately to be married. And then, you know, they, they feel at some moment, you know, the Lord gives them that sense that that's my plan for you and I'm going to bring that to pass and you just wait on me. And, you know, so they're content for a season and everything's fine and they're trusting the Lord. Uh, but then as time goes on and it doesn't develop as quickly as they thought it would, or, you know, they just, for the life of them, they can't see that person. Sometimes what they do is they start thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe I need to be a little bit more proactive. You know, maybe I need to go out and, and I need to actually look for, you know, that mate. Not, not trusting that God's able to bring the whole thing together. And you know, a lot of times, I have found in my own experience, a lot of times Christians will be the, the first ones to sort of nudge you. They don't think they're nudging you over into the realm of the flesh, but that's what they're really doing. 
Oh, what are you waiting for? You know, God helps those who help themselves. You know, come on. You know, get out there and be proactive. And, you know, I, I remember a situation one time where, well, let me back up a second. I believe in regard to, to the marital relationship, I believe that God has ordained, chosen, created the, the person that I am to spend my life with as a believer. And because I believe that, I, I also believe that God is perfectly capable of bringing all of the things together to, to make that relationship happen. But, you know, I have seen it, and, and, I, and I've even heard pastors say things like, well, you know, you don't need to be so specific, and you don't need to be thinking that, you know, God has a specific person out there for you. Hey, you just look around the room, and, you know, if you're a guy, you just find the prettiest girl and make sure she's a good Christian, and that's the one you marry. I think there's a little more to it than that myself. But you see, if you have that mentality, you can put yourself in a position where you're going to complicate things and create a lot of trouble for yourself. If God has said, I've got something for you, and he hasn't shown you, you need to just keep waiting until he shows you. Oh, but again, I've seen so many people, you know, oftentimes, and a lot of times it'll happen with, with the women, you know, oh, well, you know, I've been waiting on the Lord, and, and now I'm dating this guy, and, and, you know, first thing I will ask, well, you know, is he a believer? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, he's a Catholic. <laughs> Look, I am fully aware that there are Catholics who know the Lord, but listen, they're few and far between. I'm telling you that. That's, that's just a fact. And whenever I hear that, you know, or, well, you know, he goes to church, well, you know, his grandfather was a pastor. You know, well, what is that? No, he's not the one. Forget it. God's got the one that's going to be the right one, that loves him first and is going to love you and be faithful to you because of his commitment. And you have to wait patiently for God to bring that together. You might say, oh, but I've been waiting. You don't know how long I've been waiting. They that wait upon the Lord will never be disappointed. That's the promise. But if we step out, if we try to make something happen, some friends of mine that were in a band, and many of you would know them if I mentioned their name, but years ago, they were you know, great musicians and uh, great ministers, and they, you know, they wanted to minister more, and they you know, were looking for a, a good record deal that would, you know, help them make a living, but at the same time, you know, help them be more involved in ministry. So they got, they got hooked up with this record company, and these people made them all kinds of promises, and we're going to do this for you, and we're going to do that for you. And, and you know, and they, they told me after the fact, they told me that, you know, as they were moving into it, they, you know, there was just sort of that check. There was just sort of that feeling like, you know, I, I'm not sure if this is exactly what the Lord has, but it looks so good. And instead of waiting, instead of you know, being more patient and praying about it, they went ahead and they signed a contract. And it was living hell for them. It pulled them out of ministry. It prevented them from going on in their uh, career musically. It hindered so many things that 
they potentially could have done because they had a contract and they couldn't, uh, you know, the, these people that locked them into the contract were inflexible. And I remember having a conversation with my friend one day who was a member of the band, and he says, you know, I'm afraid what we've got on our hands is an Ishmael. We wanted it so desperately. We wanted that, that deal that we didn't really wait on the Lord. We just, we were hasty. And we tried to make something happen ourselves. And we can do that. You know, churches can do that. And a lot of times that's what is happening with churches. They're working feverishly to build this. We've got to have a big, thriving church. And, you know, there's all kinds of activity and all kinds of money being spent and all kinds of things going on. But, you know, when you, you step back and look at it, you just think this is, this is all human ingenuity and human energy. At the end of the day, it's just a big work of the flesh. At the end of the day, it's, it's an Ishmael. It's this thing that you have created. It's this thing that you have produced. But here's the thing about all of those things that we produce in the flesh. God does not recognize them. God doesn't recognize them. And that's one of the one of the sad things because people spend so much time and energy and effort and money and everything else. And, and it's all for this thing that in the end, and why I say that is because when we get to the end of the story with Ishmael, when we get to the 22nd chapter of Genesis and God's gonna instruct Abraham in regard to his son, Isaac, you know what he says to Abraham? He says, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer him. Well, wait a minute. What, what about Ishmael? Uh, Abraham had two sons, right? He did. But one was after the flesh. The other was after the spirit. God didn't recognize the son that was after the flesh. And likewise, at the end of the day, God does not recognize those things that we do in the flesh. He doesn't recognize them in the sense that they're not the thing that he's going to bless ultimately. You see, God's got a plan. He had a plan for these guys. And quite honestly, as you know, God does not need our help. God does not need our help. What God wants us to do is he wants us to, to follow the instruction and just to do. Now, there are times when God says, okay, get up and do this. That's fine. But we need to make sure that it's the Lord that's leading us to do that and not, not we ourselves. Now, chapter 17, verse 1, listen to what it says. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, Okay, he was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. When Abram was 99 years old, 13 years have passed. And look what we read. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I think, we don't know because obviously, it's completely silent. 
as to all that transpired in those 13 years. But I would imagine that it seems to me from the text itself that those were 13 silent years. Those were 13 years of silence. Ishmael had been born. They had their frustrations and difficulties initially. I'm sure they probably got over that to a large degree. Who knows, you know, Sarai and Hagar maybe still had you know, some of that tension throughout all of those years. But it does seem that it was a silent period. And again, this is oftentimes what will happen. When we sort of turn a deaf ear to what the Spirit is saying to us and we go about and do things our own way, we can find ourselves out in sort of a wilderness where heaven is silent. We cut ourselves off from that much-needed voice of the Lord. And I think that it was indeed the case because look what God says to him. In a sense, it's a rebuke. He says, I am almighty God. In other words, he's saying, look, I don't need your help. I'm almighty God. What I need you to do, Abraham, is I need you to walk before me. I need you to walk before me and be be blameless. I don't need your help. I don't need you to come up with a a plan for me. I don't need you to give me your strategy about how I ought to accomplish my will. I'm almighty God. You walk before me and be blameless. The word almighty God here is the word that we're somewhat familiar with from the song El Shaddai. And it means just what the English implies. God is saying, I'm, I'm almighty God. I can, I, I can take care of it. I can do it. Now, the thing is, as we look at this whole thing, you know, from, from a human standpoint, again, you can understand to some degree why they did what they did. Because Abram is 85 and Sarah is 75. And 10 years have passed and nothing's happened. There's no child. So, you know, from a certain standpoint, you can, you can see how they would think that, well, maybe we've got to try something else. And you see, that's part of the challenge for us because sometimes we look at the, the circumstances that we're in and it doesn't seem that God's really doing what we thought he was going to do So we start to think that, well, we better do something. Time's getting away from us. We're old people. How how is this ever going to happen? We better help God out. But again, we have to be, we have to be careful and we have to learn. Here's the thing that we need to realize. This story was written so we would not repeat their mistakes. Remember, this is what Paul tells us in the New Testament. The things that were written before were written for our learning. We are to learn lessons from the lives of these people. And what we need to remember and realize is that we're serving Almighty God, and He's got it all under control. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God really has it all under control? Can you just sit back and say, okay, Lord, you're almighty God. I'm just going to trust you. 
for this one. You know what happens, again, like with, with these guys, you get into a desperate kind of a situation and then we panic and we act in the flesh. That's the very thing that we're not to do. And how can I avoid doing that? I can avoid doing that by remembering I'm serving Almighty God. And we as God's people, we shouldn't be in panic mode. We shouldn't be filled with anxiety. But we're all, as human beings, we're all tempted to do it, aren't we? And I can stand before you tonight and say I have been tempted numerous times in various areas to just, okay, I have got to help God out with this situation. I have got to get in there and make this thing, you know, happen. I've got to move this thing ahead, whatever it might be. And I'm thankful that the Lord has been faithful enough to just always say, stop right there. Don't take another step. But we're serving Almighty God. And our responsibility is to walk before him and to be blameless. Just walk with him. Just walk before him and just know that he's able. Those promises that he's made, the promise to, well, the, pro- the general promises that he's made for all of us that he's going to provide for us. He's going to make sure we have food and clothing and shelter. Those are all the things that he promised. And the more specific things that he's maybe spoken into your life individually regarding maybe a relationship or maybe, you know, some kind of a difficulty that you're living with or facing, the the things that he's spoken to your heart, just rest knowing that he's able. The commentary on Abraham's life in Romans chapter 4 tells us that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, that's a very gracious assessment of Abraham, don't you think? <laughs> you know, it's funny because when you come to the New Testament, you know, you read some of the statements in the New Testament about Old Testament figures and you think, is that really how it was back then? You know, think of Lot. I mean, people have asked me, okay, the New Testament says Lot was a righteous man. Where did they get that? You know where they got it? They got it through the lens of grace. Because the New Testament looks back on the Old Testament saints through the lens of God's grace. And according to God's grace, Abraham didn't waver at the promises of God through unbelief. Seems like he did. But really, at the end of the day, deep in his heart, he believed God. And and now, as, as we go on in the story, we see that God brings even more clarity to the promise. And this really does liberate Abraham, finally, from even those moments of vacillation. But going back to what it said, it says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but gave glory to God. And he did this because he counted him faithful who had promised. And you see, that's the key right there. Knowing that He who had made the promise was able to perform what he had promised. So if I'm wavering in my faith, you know why I'm wavering? It's because I'm not fully convinced that the one who has promised is able to perform. The moment I become fully convinced that he who made the promise is able to perform it, my wavering is over. I don't have to waver. And not only do I not have to waver, but I don't have to strive either. 
I don't have to do anything. But like I said a moment ago, and I wanna tell you, this is a fact. You start resting in the Lord and that's gonna bug people around you. It's gonna bug Christians. Hey, you can't rest like that, stop that. You need to worry. You need to strive. You need to make it happen. Christian people will tell you that. They're well-intended, but they're misguided. They're like Sarai. Abram, we need to do this for God. It's not working out. We need to help him out. And like Abram, we need to say, no, we're not going down that road. I understand your concern, but listen, we're just gonna trust God. We're just gonna, we're gonna wait on the Lord. And those who wait on the Lord will never be disappointed. I love that. And so, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. We serve almighty God. The heavens declare his glory. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. Night unto night shows forth knowledge. When I consider the heavens, the moon and the stars, you know, all of those great psalms, the heavens, the work of God's fingers. This past week, as I was, I was trying to have a John Corson experience, I used, to, I used to see John walking around his neighborhood barefooted reading his Bible. And I never quite figured out how to do that, but I, I, I tried it this week, actually. So I was walking along on the beach, and I was reading my Bible, and, and it worked okay. And, you know, I read Psalm 103, Psalm 104, 105, 106, and 107. And those psalms are great psalms. And if you're at all in question as to whether God is almighty, just read those psalms. It'll remind you that he certainly is. But, you know, as I'm just reading through these psalms and all, you know, it's, it's going back to creation. It's going back to uh, Israel, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. It's back to Moses and the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea and all of these things. And, you know, I'm walking along and I'm just thinking, this is the God that I know. This is the God who's got his hand on my life. It's almighty God. And my responsibility is just to, it's just to walk before him blamelessly. Blamelessly, not doesn't mean perfectly in the sinless perfection kind of a sense, but walk before him with a whole heart, with a loyal heart. Just walk before him, committed to him, and know that as almighty God, El Shaddai, he is going to bring to pass all that he promised in your life personally, in your family, in our fellowship collectively, in his body throughout the world, God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. All things. And you know, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He is almighty God. Let's walk before him and be blameless. For the month of October, 
Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Progress, Kindness, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. Do you recoil at the ancient practice of slavery in the Bible? Do you value modern-day freedom and equality? Do you abhor the mistreatment of minorities by some in the Christian church? If you answered yes to just one of these questions, or even all of them, then chances are you have unknowingly inherited the biblical notions of redemption, freedom, equality, and compassion. In his book, The Air We Breathe, Glenn Scrivener argues that Christianity has been infused into Western culture so thoroughly that its values are simply taken for granted, and their Christian origins have gone unnoticed. No matter what you believe regarding the existence of God, this book will help you understand some of the values you cherish most. The book, The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.